this is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. So this past summer, I went to Arizona for the Life Teen Catholic Youth Ministry Conference. I was keynoting and giving a couple workshops, and I got to bring Tommy with me. And of course, there was an opening Mass. And as the priests are processing out of Mass, I saw this guy. He had kind of wild hair and a, a thick beard and this huge smile on his face, and we waved at each other. And we'd never met in person before. This was the first time I'd ever seen him in person. But there he was, in the flesh, Father Anthony Sharapa. Pittsburgh's okayest priest, according to his Twitter handle. Um, I only know Father Sharapa because of the internet, which just proves how weird 2019 is, but also kind of how cool it is that we can connect with people, meet with people, become friends with people, share a week with people that we've just traded tweets with up to that point, or we've listened to their voices through a podcast that is quite popular and has won a couple of internet-based awards. See, the thing is, Father Anthony Sharapa is a really unique special guy and a real gift to the Catholic Church. A priest who's uh, open and honest and shares his thoughts and has a great sense of humor and ultimately loves Jesus and wants to serve the Lord. And so when we were thinking about, well, who do we want to interview to talk about Mary from the perspective of a priest? Who can we bring on that can share some insight into his relationship with Mary as one who brings us the sacraments? Father Anthony was my first pick and was a guy that I couldn't wait to sit down and visit with. So today we bring to you an episode, an interview, a conversation, a real kind of heart-bearing discussion with a priest who tells us who Mary is to him, how he got to know Mary in the first place while he was in seminary, the way that Mary helps him pray the Mass well, and ultimately how Mary, as always, leads us close to Jesus. So, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Ave Explores. And without further ado, here's a chat with Father Anthony Sharapa. So, thanks for joining us, Father Sharapa. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. I usually go by Father Anthony because I don't like people butchering my last name. That being said, you said it perfectly. I mean, you've got the most Italian name in the world. Is your middle name like Joe or something? It's uh, Raphael. Oh, of course, naturally. So like you were like <laughs> off the boat from Rome itself. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, your ministry, where you're assigned, and what your day-to-day life looks like as a diocesan priest. Yeah, so I have been ordained for a little over three years now. I entered seminary right out of high school, spent eight years in seminary. Uh, my first assignment was in Butler, PA. I had three parishes. And then my current assignments, we took seven parishes and turned them into one. So the fun stat for my priesthood is that I've been ordained for three years and I've been assigned to 11 different parishes in that time. And that's just kind of a thing that's happening right now, uh, especially along uh, the East Coast, where, you know, in Pittsburgh, you had the Polish parish, the Italian parish, the Irish parish, like literally on the same street. And now Mm -hmm. with vocation numbers and changing demographics, you don't need that. We're doing it all at once. So it's a very exciting time to uh, be a priest. So I'm up in Newcastle, PA. It's about eh, an hour from Pittsburgh. I'm parochial vicar there. We have um, a a team of priests. We have a pastor, a priest chaplain, another parochial vicar, myself. And I'm also chaplain at a little Presbyterian college uh, for the Catholics who are there called Westminster. And so I do that. And in my spare time, I do a lot of podcasting, I guess. 
Yeah, so you have two podcasts. Tell us a little bit about Clerically Speaking. Yeah, so Clerically Speaking came about um, just from me and Father Harrison talking about things, noticing things on Twitter. And we found kind of a space that was sort of missing about uh, perspective from young parish priests. So what the podcast does, it talks about Catholic current events and other kind of catechesis things from um, a young parish priest's perspective. He's a pastor at Little Parish. I'm parochial vicar, and that's why we do what we do. And, and the he, other, yeah. Father Harrison's been a priest for how long? But less than he's ten years. Priest, yeah, less than ten years. I think maybe okay. five, six now. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, there's still baby priest status. Like you're newly wedded for five years, I think. So you're a newly priest for at least five years. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the other one, which is my personal favorite, not that I don't love clerically speaking, but the other one's a little more niche. Tell us about that one. Yeah, the other one is my pride and joy. It's called the Spicy Nugs Podcast. It's where two priests and a dad serve up the hottest takes and the frostiest shakes, reviewing Wendy's items uh, about once a month. And it started <laughs> off as a joke, but we're like, hey, let's actually do this. So it's fun. I mean, it's there's like a 50. podcast for everything. So. There is. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so it's about 15 minutes. It's real easy, and uh, we, we have moved a lot of product. A lot of people have told us that they go to Wendy's more often because of the podcast, and that's just something fun on the side. It's not religious at all, except that we are priests, and sometimes those jokes make into the podcast, but it's just a, a fun uh, hobby. I mean, I have literally chosen to go to Wendy's over other places because of that podcast. Like, in my head, it's like, I need to make them proud. I need to choose to go to Wendy's and get the four for four when I'm on the road, especially because, you know, it's the best deal in town. Absolutely. Uh, so, well, that's great. Well, and again, we thank you for taking the time. You know, we wanted to bring Father Anthony on because uh, his perspective as a parish priest, his perspective as a now a, a chaplain on a college campus and, and helping out those Catholic students there on Our Lady, I think, is unique. You know, we've talked to a mom, we've talked to a single person, now we're talking to a priest, and we're about to talk to a dad about what Mary does in their life, why Mary is important, why Mary is valid. And I, I told Father Anthony at the top of this podcast, we don't really have any structure for this other than I'd like to have an honest conversation. So, Father, tell us, who is Our Lady to you? Why does she matter? What has maybe she done in your life? And, uh, and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah. So growing up, I really didn't have a close connection with the saints. Actually, my dad uh, was kind of for a while more Italian than he was Catholic. So, I mean, there's some Catholic things made their way into his life, but you know, wasn't um, super faithful. My mom was Methodist. They weren't even married inside the church. And so growing up, I wasn't even baptized until I was about eight years old. Uh, mm. Yeah. And it was interesting because my brothers and I going to communion uh, was what drew my mom into the Catholic Church because she saw us going to communion and she wanted to be in communion with us. So mm. she went through RCIA. Uh, my parents got their marriage validated in the church. I actually was the witness to their marriage. And uh, now we're one big, happy Catholic family. My dad's taught CCD for like 14 years and everything. So That's uh, awesome. yeah, yeah, it's neat. And so growing up, I didn't have a whole lot of connection with the saints. I remember for confirmation and you have to pick a confirmation name. And I didn't know what that meant. I thought it was a dumb idea because Anthony is already the best name. So for my confirmation name, I just picked Anthony again. I wasn't even thinking about the saint. I'm like, ah, I'm not changing my name. That's dumb. So I, I really didn't have like I didn't have anything against the saints. I'm like, ah, they're probably nice people. Right. They're in heaven. Cool. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing with Mary. I didn't have anything against her. I just didn't know her very well. And she just wasn't a part of my life. But when I entered seminary, that all changed because we're praying liturgy of the hours and uh, especially in night prayer, it ends with uh, a hymn to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it's in Latin, and it's, like, beautiful. And all the other guys had this, like, great devotion to Mary. I saw them praying the rosary in chapel. Um, I heard them talking about her. And 
more and more that became something on my heart. Like, I want that. I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. I don't know who this lady is, but this seems like a really good, important thing. So I remember going to uh, and just talking with all the guys and being like, hey, who is married to you? What kind of devotion do you have? What's going on? And I started reading books about her. I read uh, the Scott Hahn book and other things. And like I got it intellectually, but something wasn't clicking in my heart. Like I said, it wasn't like a, a problem with the doctrine or anything, but I was like, ah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I remember being super frustrated one day. I was in my buddy's uh, room in seminary, and he has this beautiful picture of Our Lady of the Rosary. And I just grabbed the picture, and like, I'm very dramatic. I grabbed the picture, <laughs> and I was like, who are you? What is going on? And I uh, finally brought this problem to a priest. He said, you know, Anthony, if you want to get to know Mary, you get to know her like any other relationship. You have to actually talk to her. I was like, oh, that makes sense. So I just sort of started praying the rosary. And I started just like offering prayers to Mary and talking to her in mental prayer. And at first it was super awkward because I'm not used to that. I'm used to talking to Jesus. Mm -hmm. But more and more that knowledge of Mary I had in my mind more and more started to click in my heart. The rosary especially was became very important to me. Um, those moments when I didn't know how to pray or what to pray, I felt dry. Something about grabbing the beads, kneeling in chapel, and just saying those Hail Marys was a consolation to me. I remember specifically uh, one time, because I dealt with uh, anxiety and depression in seminary. You know, I was you know, 18, 19 years old. My whole mm-hmm. life was changing, trying to figure this out. And I remember particularly dark times, I just dragged myself to chapel because that's all I knew what to do. And once again, picked up the beads, started praying. And I don't even remember what mystery it was, but I received this really beautiful spiritual consolation where all of a sudden, like my my world just kind of like lit up. And I had this like feeling that not only did Jesus Christ choose me for this, but Mary did as well. Mm. Like her and her son and her son were like in cahoots in the whole forming of my vocation. And something about that really changed my heart. Now I didn't like, cure my depression and anxiety or anything, but it was a little moment of relief in that journey. And from that moment on, I, you know, had a, a more and more a great devotion to Mary. Um, but then something else started happening because I love the rosary so much. I started praying it, uh, every day, which is fine, but I started praying all the mysteries every day. So oh, I was wow. praying, I was praying four sets of mysteries <laughs> every day. And so I didn't tell my spiritual director about this. I decided to do it because that's a, that's a good heroic thing to do. Pray the rosary every day. Right. But what began to happen is that it kind of consumed all my prayer and it stopped being prayer. It started being this thing I was sort of doing out of my own pride that I'm going to be the guy who prays the rosary. I'm going to be the Mary guy. And more and more, the prayer became dry and just something to check off. And it kind of ruined my devotion to the rosary for a while. And I had to let go of it for a while. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've noticed in my devotion, and I think this happens in a lot of people's prayer lives, uh, Mary will kind of move into the center and then move out and move in and move out. And even when she's not in the center of your devotional life, she's always there praying for you, just like she did uh, interceding for the wedding couple at Cana. Even mm-hmm. if the wedding couple didn't know what was going on, she was still bringing all their concerns to her son. So there are times like right now. I pray the rosary maybe like three, four times a week, mm-hmm. and she's more part of my prayer life now. But other times she kind of moves aside because I need to learn something more about her son or more about the father. She's always there, but there can be a change in how you experience that. Yeah, that's kind of been my experience. Yeah, I mean, as a mom, I think about my own relationship with my mother and then my relationship with Rose. And like 
during the day for five and a half hours a day, she's with her teachers at school being taught by them. And she has no idea what I'm doing at the house to make sure that everything's okay over here from washing her clothes to cleaning the sheets to fixing dinner in the evening. But, you know, she comes back home and she obviously sees like mom's been doing all this stuff. Um, Mary very much is doing all this stuff, both in an ancillary way and in a very central way. Hey, it's Katie. I hope you're enjoying this interview with Father Sharapa. I think a lot of the things he's sharing are just fantastic and, and really help us understand that we can think about Mary in an intellectual way, but it, it really doesn't make much sense until she clicks in her heart, until we begin to understand her uh, as someone who, who loves us and is a mother to us. And, and I think Father Sharapa is helping us understand that in a really beautiful way. Um, I want to take a second to just tell you that if you're enjoying this podcast and you're liking the things that you've heard so far through the Ave Explorers podcast, we'd love to invite you to subscribe to all the Ave Explorers resources that are available on the Ave Maria Press website. You can click down in the show notes and find all the information you need to get registered to receive these articles, these podcasts, these videos, small group discussion guides, you name it, we have it when it comes to unpacking and exploring who Our Lady is. So click on over to AveMariaPress.com after the episode's over. Keep listening to the rest of the episode. It only gets better. Click on over to AveMariaPress.com to find all the other things available through Ave Explorers. Talk to me a little bit about Our Lady in your priesthood specifically. You know, She comes in, she comes out, she, she works in very obvious ways, she works in very quiet ways, but as a day-to-day grind of the parish priest's life, from hearing confessions and going to sick beds and visiting families and you, you just told me before we started recording how much of your job is sitting at a desk sometimes and just taking care of things on the computer, writing homilies. What does Mary offer to you? How does Mary comfort you? Where is she in that priesthood life? You know, specifically right now, this is something I, I learned from uh, St. Louis de Montfort. Um, Mary isn't present in your soul the same way God is. When you're baptized, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is set up on in your soul. But in a certain way, Mary's light can kind of shine into it from the outside. Mm-hmm. And he has this kind of devotional idea of where when you receive the Eucharist, you ask Mary to take care of Jesus Christ in your soul because mm-hmm. you may be distracted. Um, like a lot of times as a priest, I'm you know, still worried about I, I want to pray the mass well, but still in my mind, I want to sound like I'm praying the mass well or mm-hmm. I'm you know, thinking about the altar server who dropped something or are there announcements after mass? Did someone ask me to say something? And so you can be very distracted within the mass or I have another mass coming up. And sometimes I'm still thinking about my homily that I just said, was it good? Was it bad? All these distractions. So a lot of times I ask her to take care of Jesus Christ in my soul. And it's kind of like a quick little prayer that I can pray so that at least I don't, um, at least in some way, I'm reminded that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in me. So I'm not like ignoring the Eucharist I just received. So that's a big part of it. And a lot of it too is just when I'm overwhelmed, and this this happens a lot when I'm doing my, my morning holy hour, there's a lot going on in the day. I don't know what to do. I don't know exactly how to pray. I'm, I'm getting anxious. Inviting her into that and just kind of placing everything in her hands, knowing that she's going to perfectly bring it to Jesus Christ is a great comfort to me. So a lot of times when I'm just overwhelmed and crazy. I'm like, Mary, can you just take care of this? And I, I can trust that she does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of spiritually how um, a lot of times she, she works in my life. Do you have a favorite devotion to our lady other than the rosary? Like, is there like a, a specific title of Mary that you love most or an image of Mary that always kind of sticks in your head? Yeah. Um, it's Mary a sister. Um, oh, cool. Talk yeah. about that. Tell me more about that. Cause I yeah. always think of Mary as mom, 
mm-hmm. probably because I'm, I'm in the thick of mom life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like when I, I fuss at Rose or I lose my temper or I get frustrated about something, I always try to turn to Mary and, and just be like, okay, you did it. Show me how to do it. But mm-hmm. Mary, a sister, that's a new one for me. Yeah. It's something about Mary is fully human. She is, when we look at her, we see what Christ Jesus did and is doing for all of us. In her, all the promises of redemption are already fulfilled. And so in her virtues, in her life, we see what we are meant to become, perfectly human. And knowing that she is, even though she's you know above us in holiness, absolutely, she's also right next to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the same Lord. We have the same God. And the idea of whenever, whenever you kneel before the tabernacle, if you want to know where Mary is, she's kneeling right next to you. Um, she's always pointing you to prayer. She's almost like putting her hand on your shoulder and just gesturing toward the tabernacle. Um, she's something about just kind of her being on our side uh, is something that is, is very appealing to me. Uh, in my chapel, have in the rectory, there's a statue of her. And a lot of times when we have statues of Mary, she's kind of like next to the crucifix or next to the tabernacle, but I have her position. So she's facing the tabernacle. So when I go to pray, she's there praying, you know, with me, something about her being next to us, fully human, you know, more, you know, human, like we are something Mm -hmm. about that. I find very comforting and encouraging. How do you reconcile then? Like, is there ever a struggle of, of she's fully human. She lived the human life, but she's also perfect. Cause sometimes I struggle with the, well, yeah, she did this too, but she also didn't have original sin concupiscence. <laughs> so like yeah, I yeah, lose yeah. my temper. Did Mary ever lose her temper with baby Jesus? Did she ever mm-hmm. snap at Joseph? Right? Like how do you reconcile those two? I, I reconcile that because if a close reading of the gospels shows how confused Mary was all the time. Mm. Um, like when the angel appears to her, she's like, I don't know how this is going to happen. Right. And, and the angel says, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to take care of it. And then she just kind of ponders it in her heart. You know, she has this, this, you know, moment when she's, um, when she's lost Jesus Christ, you know, through no fault of her own and she's trying to find him. And when she finds him, she like, doesn't understand what's going on. And, and Christ says, you know, I must be about my father's business, doing my father's will. And she ponders it in her heart. Mm-hmm. It seems that in Christ's ministry, as Things are, even though she, she knows all the messages that the angel gave her, she knows them better than we do. She still had to wait for the full revelation of what that was going to mean. So Jesus is preaching and he's gathering people to him. And she goes with the rest of her family to see what's going on. And Christ says, you want to be my mother, my brother, it, you have to be my disciple. And so you see her kind of learning and pondering and growing throughout the Gospels, if you take a close reading of that. So something about that, I think, is easy to relate to. Um, she doesn't have the same kind of divine knowledge that Jesus Christ does during her life. So she's always mm-hmm. kind of processing that in her heart. And I think that's something that's, you know, easy to relate to. And then the other thing is, um, the more stories I hear, um, a great book that really, I, it was jet fuel for my Marian devotion, was St. Alphonsus Liguori's The Glories of Mary. Mm. And just how every story, this huge emphasis on mercy, um, how merciful Mary is, how she so desires us to grow closer to Jesus Christ. She's not worried about like, a lot of times when we think of like perfect people, we think of also arrogant people because that's mm-hmm. how it works for us, you know, fallen human beings, but she's not, she's just interested in you growing closer to her son. So, so those sort of things kind of mitigate 
any kind of like jealousy or confusion on my part. I'm not saying it never pops up because, of course, mm-hmm. we all have to frustrate. We look at the Saints and we shake our fists and we're like, ah, it must have been easy for you. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. And that's not what she's concerned about. So those sort of things help me. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening to this podcast. I hear all these incredible things about Our Lady, a priest who's who's devoted to Our Lady, who who's present in his ministry. And I, like, have no attachment to Mary whatsoever. Maybe I'm not Catholic. Maybe I've just never – I mean, my, my story of Mary is very similar to yours in that it wasn't until I was well into adulthood and into college that I started to kind of notice maybe she's important. Not because I didn't care about her, but, but it, just, it just wasn't – it didn't really register in my mind, slash, I had this statue of Mary that really always kind of bugged me because she just looked passive, and I didn't like that because <laughs> I, I was not about – like women are not passive, and, and I didn't – I just knew that she wasn't just this passive woman that just let things happen. Uh, but I couldn't – I didn't fully grasp that, so it was well into adulthood. But I'm listening to this podcast. I hear you say all these things. I've read all the Ave Explorers content, and I want to go deeper with Our Lady. I want to start – praying with her. I want to start asking her to pray for me. Where do I start? Where do I turn to first? Like if you had to give somebody kind of like a, a crash course, and these are the three things you need to do to get to know our lady, what would you tell them? Yeah. So, um, if the intellectual problems haven't been cleared up, I think it's a good first step because it's Mm -hmm. a, it's, you don't have to be super vulnerable in that. So if you're confused about how Mary works with redemption and the church, I think the first step to do is to read about it, learn the theology and to remove that mental block, mm-hmm. but also to realize that that's all it's going to be. You can remove the block in the road, but now you have to start walking it. So when you're ready to start walking it, I think something that's very helpful, especially when you feel lost in prayer and don't know how to pray, is to uh, journal. When I say journal, I don't mean kind of write about your experiences in prayer. I mean, like, write letters to Mary mm. because, like— ask her your questions and something about writing it down kind of gets it out of your mind and you can see it in front of you. And then if your heart's moved in a certain way, after you write these things down, after you uh, ask Mary these things, write down the responses of your heart. So that can be a kind of way to kind of keep track of what's your, your relationship, but also it's a way to kind of concretize it. Like I'm actually doing this now. And to be okay with the fact that at first it feels awkward. Like a lot of times, like, Let's say you have a friend and your friend wants to introduce you to another friend. And they keep saying this, fr- this guy is or this guy or girl. They're awesome. They're one of my best friends. I really want you to meet them. It's always kind of awkward meeting that person at first because you're like, OK, I believe I believe that you're really cool, but I, I don't know what to say mm-hmm. or what to do now. So it's OK that those first steps in that relationship are kind of awkward, but you trust everything that's been said about this person. So you kind of keep going with it. So to realize, secondly, that this is a sort of thing that takes time because relationships take time. So I suggest journaling, being okay that things take time. And then maybe finally uh, to know that this is what Jesus Christ wants for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, man, it's an, it's more than enough for us. It's more than we ever deserve that Jesus Christ loves us. It's more than we ever deserve that he became incarnate for us. It's more than we could ever deserve that he suffered and died on the cross for us. But on top of those gifts, he just keeps giving us things. And one of the gifts he gives us is his mother. She is for us. And if this is a gift that Jesus Christ wants to give you, it's going to be something good. So keep that in mind as well. That this is something that, that God wants for you. And I think that can be an encouraging thing as well. Absolutely. I think that's the perfect place to end the interview because Jesus wants to give us his mother and and we should accept good gifts from him. Yeah. Uh, 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Father. Where can people find you on the interwebs? And by the way, uh, when we met in person the first time at CYMC, there was definitely that this is a Twitter person. Is this like, is this a, okay? But then it went well. We had Chick-fil-A together and it was great. So exactly. <laughs> it, it, you know, it takes time, but you're absolutely right. Friendships can form. So where can folks find you on in the internet, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and your podcast? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Father Sharapa, spell out Father at Father Sharapa. The podcast is Clerically Speaking. You type Clerically Speaking into any of your podcast apps and you can find us. Um, Spicy Nugs podcast. Uh, you can find <laughs> <laughs> at Spicy Nugs pod. Um, and then Clerically Speaking, our Twitter account is at Clerical Pod. So any of those ways you can find us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Father. We are grateful for it. And uh, we'll see you in the podcast world. You know, I think Father Sharapa gives us uh, some great insights into how our relationship with Mary is dynamic. It's fluid. It, it changes based off of what's going on in our lives, what's happening, um, even maybe just the initial way that we get to know her. And, and again, that he first understood Mary intellectually, but it didn't click until it was something in his heart. You know, he's, he said something great that when he goes to pray, that Mary is there praying with him, um, that he has that statue of Our Lady turned facing the tabernacle, is kind of a reminder that that her prayer is something to emulate, that her prayer is something that's comforting and encouraging. Um, and so what I, I really think we have here is the insight from a priest who sees Mary as sister, which I just find so beautiful, that he turns to her as someone who can, of course, lead us and him closer to Jesus, but as someone who, in a, in a very beautiful and dynamic way, is an encouragement to live his priesthood well. There's more content, um, there's more stuff with Ave Explorers over at the Ave Maria Press website. The link is down in the show notes along with a text code if you want to subscribe to all the Ave Maria Press content to get it straight to your email inbox. We have more podcast episodes coming out in the coming weeks, so please make sure to subscribe to this Ave Explorers podcast on Apple Podcasts, at Google Play, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we'd be grateful for a rating and a review and for you to share the episode and, and, and share with people this new project that we're doing. And you can find, again, all this information and more over at the Ave Maria Press website, AveMariaPress.com.